Well, now, you're in Sweden. I'll tell you what. You can say what you want about St. Patrick and the Catholic Church, but they were fairly smart all the same, lads, giving us a day to celebrate our Irishness right bang in the middle of March when you're sick to the back teeth of the snow here and the cold here in Sweden. And here we are hoping that the sun will shine on the various parades and the celebrations. Maybe not so much in the pubs, but uh, there'll be a bit of crack there anyway. I hope you're all well. In me pockets are plinging away here like the new time with various different um, messages coming in left, right, etc. And that's because St. Patrick's Day or the week of St. Patrick's Day is upon us. And it's fairly busy around these parts there, lads and ladies, because there's always somebody who's looking for something or wants to check on something or that kind of thing. So we'll do a little bit of the L community information today. I hope you are all well. I hope the plans are going along nicely. I know that the Swedish Irish Society is desperate to get flags down below to Peter Miller and the lads in Malmo for their parade there next week, more of which anon, as they say. Um, this, basically, that's what the podcast is about this week, right? I have Finbar now from the um, from the Swedish Royal Society is going to be on in a couple of seconds here telling you about uh, the parade in Stockholm. And then I'll bring a few details of the uh, the parade down below in Malmö because it was there the other day. And as we get towards the end of the podcast, there's going to be a little bit of a music, a, a, a little bit of music, right? Lads, don't sleep on this one, right? I went down to Malmö the other day because, as you would have heard a few weeks ago uh, from Dog Vestling and that, Quilty are on a 30 anniversary tour not a 25th anniversary tour as I may have mentioned on the podcast it's their 30th anniversary and no less than Andy Irvine one of the most important musicians of all time is over here rehearsing with them so I nipped down to Malmo as you do because you just you can't let that go and I listened to the band rehearsing first and then I talked uh, to, to Andy about the upcoming tour and a little bit of a dag as well uh, you can go to quiltymusic.com you'll hear that again later on in the show uh, to get your tickets and look at just do it, right? As I say, I don't care if you don't know a single tune they're going to play, right? Go and see this, because if you don't, you'll regret it. This is just, what I heard the other day was just astounding. But uh, listen, let's have a wee chat first with Finn Bargini, and I'll be back to you very, very shortly with a few details from our compatriots down below there in Malmö. Finbar, I suppose, can we just start with um, the plans that the Swedish Irish Society have for St. Patrick's Day this year? And when did you start sort of getting involved in uh, in planning for all these things? Yeah, sure. Um, so, firstly, I guess I'm kind of in the society for about a year now. I'm only in Sweden two years. And when I was new in Sweden, I, I went into the parade last year and to be honest with you, I was kind of taken aback by the size of it. I thought it was fantastic and it was just a really, really impressive program. So I joined and we started planning for the parade almost like towards the beginning of last year, really. So the scale and the size of it is is big. Uh, there's a lot goes into it, you know. There's there's the planning of the the stage, the parade itself, the bands, the everybody that, everybody that walks in that permits, food and drink, everything, you know. So from that point of view, it takes a lot of organisation, um, but it's a labour of love, and it's all voluntary and a very very dedicated board, you know. Mm. And for you personally, you know, when you saw that for the first time last year, because I remember the first time I saw it was probably around about the time that it started. I think my kids had just been born and I was going, Jesus, this is brilliant. Like, you know, it's fantastic to have on this one day of the year that we have this opportunity to express our Irishness. Did you have the same sort of a, an experience when you went for the first time last year? 
I did, you know, and I mean, it's not the first time I've lived overseas. I've lived in the UK and other countries as well. But I feel when you go in there, it's it's something which of the, the scale of it, it really brings the community together, you know, and it, it, it establishes kind of connection and it's really well run. It welcomes everybody and things. And the history of it, if you go back and you talk to people, I mean, in 2005, it began mm. and it was a very, very humble origin. It was about 100 people. And yeah. it's grown in scale from then. And of course, there was none during the pandemic. So then last year it went big and it went big in terms of reaching out to corporate sponsors and it went big in terms of getting them to come on board and that allowed a huge stage and so on. But when you're in there, I mean, it's it's a big part in terms of just a promotion of heritage and identity and welcoming those who just wouldn't be at home, you know, or wouldn't be, mm. uh, might be that kind of bit more isolated than they would usually be, you know. So from that point of view, I think it's terrific. I'm forever talking on this podcast, Finbar, about the need to get people like yourself to take that step from being part of something to being part of organising it. What was it that made you feel, hang on a second, I have something to contribute here. I can join the society. I, I can make a difference there with the skills that I have. Good question. I think I think largely just the experience of watching voluntary associations and that they don't happen or nothing happens really unless people are willing to get involved. Mm -hmm. And it's not about doing the whole thing. I mean, I'm not organizing the whole parade. We're part of a big group. And I think if everybody can do something, that really helps. And whether it's the GA, I mean, I know the Stockholm Gales and Suzanne, they do fantastic work as well. You know, the Chamber of Commerce, Spuds and Sill, the Amateur Drama and Gwilgori Natulan. I mean, there's a lot of small little groups in Stockholm and around Sweden. And all of these groups will be featured on St. Patrick's Day. They'll all have a stall or they'll be present or they'll be marching. So, you, you know, getting involved and doing your thing, I think is something which is worthwhile. I feel you've got to be ready for it as well. Don't be feeling guilty if you're not. It's okay to enjoy it. But if you do think it's for you, or if you could just maybe help out once a month, maybe joining a meeting, taking ownership of a task, that helps. And be okay with your boundaries. Say, look, I can do this and I can't do any more um, and commit to what you can do. And it's very rewarding. You know, I've got I've got three kids as well. I mean, they're participating in the parade. They're going to be getting their faces painted. And you kind of feel as well, from that point of view, it's nice to kind of return something back and for them to for them to see that and, and to just to give something back to the community. What was their experience in the parade last year like? Were they with you uh, in the parade? Yeah, uh, two of them were with me, and I mean they were relatively new in Sweden at the time. But I think, and they're kind of at the age when they're absorbing it all, and you can see their minds going. But I mean, they, it's very, very family orientated. It's not. Uh, a, a big drink fest or anything like that. There's face painting, there was balloons. There was St. Patrick as well. You might know him, Phil. There was a certain individual did St. Patrick last year. I wouldn't trust uh, that chance for as I could <laughs> But it, it was brilliant, like in terms of just even meeting St. Patrick, getting the photograph taken. These things are electric for children and walking behind, like we'll have a big dragon this year. We'll have color there'll be merchandise stalls where they can buy a couple of bits and pieces and you know hats and stuff. I mean, a lot of the time they just absorb it and they take it in, but it keeps that identity alive. And mm -hmm. as they get older, they go into their teenage years. That's important, you know, and they're living outside of Ireland and the next generation has that connection. They visualize it and they're seeing the dancers on stage and they're seeing mm -hmm. the musicians on stage and they're seeing the pipe bands and they're just digesting it all and they're taking it all in. And that's what's so enjoyable about it. And of course, last year we had the beautiful sunshine Hopefully this year uh, the weather will break and we'll have the same. 
But I think it's going to be a fantastic day regardless. Well, when you consider your own life in bar and living abroad and that kind of thing, um, how would you compare this as St. Patrick's Day or first St. Patrick's Day in Sweden to when you lived in the UK and other places that you might have celebrated St. Patrick's Day? It's quite different, to be honest. Um, and I think, look, at the, the UK parade took a while to get going. And, and there was a lot of um, kind of broader issues there politically in terms of just in terms of British-Irish relations and so on. But when it got going, it was it was a great sense of pouring of joy almost after all the years that there hadn't been a parade despite the fact that there was such an enormous Irish community in London and the contribution that Irish people have made to the UK but look at everywhere is different and I think it's about bringing the character that we have here in Sweden and for example let me kind of give you two things there's lots of little small Irish companies in in Stockholm mm. small well there are some very big ones and there are small ones who are involved in doing bits and pieces in terms of food pasta cookies these kind of things and all of these companies have taken part so mm. they've all played a little bit of a role and i think when you go to the stockholm parade that's what you'll see you'll see a reflection of the irish community you'll see sponsors like silverback and guinness and kirby colin sure engineering these are all groups that are involved in sweden now in terms of establishing communities or doing particular projects here and they've been very very supportive in getting in taking part uh Tursht as well a small irish drinks kind of company getting established so there's a local feel there's a very family feel it's different everywhere but i think certainly in in sweden or in stockholm we're at a, a kind of a maturing stage in malmo phil if i can just kind of digress for a second Absolutely. they're starting Jesus, they're, i love you for this <laughs> in malmo they're kind of they got a different um like we're very conscious in the Swedish Irish society that our membership is very Stockholm based mm. and we want to try to extend into those communities who are in the north of Sweden. Um, a lot of people who are kind of coming over for construction work and this kind of thing that can be isolating. So we want to reach out to these people. We want to try to do something for them. And also in Malmo, there's a huge Irish community in Malmo and in the surrounding in the surrounding area. So they're organizing a parade this year as well, much smaller than our than our own. But there's details of that parade as well on the Swedish Irish website. So if you're in Malmo, you can't make it, look it up and have and it's been um organized in partnership with Fagan's Pub and Casey's Fish and Chips, which I haven't had, but I'm sure they're going to be fantastic. Yeah, I was actually down in Fagan's Pub there. They celebrated this uh, their 25th anniversary the past weekend there. And I think the man organising the parade down there, if I'm not mistaken, is Peter Miller, who's a long-time yes. bartender uh, and uh, a known face in the local community. If we yeah. move back then, to, do you know of anything happening maybe in Lulio or in Yavla or Vesteros, where there's a few Irish uh, companies working on sites and that kind of thing? Or are we sticking with the two parades we have for now? The two parades are the two I know about. I'm not sure if there's kind of local activities that they're organising themselves as well. I'm not. Uh, I'm not aware, but certainly the Malmo one and the Stockholm one are the two that I'm that I am aware of. But for next year, as we start planning for 24 and things, we want to start reaching out to those communities and doing something different for them and seeing what we can do in terms of those workers and those uh, other people who have come over here to do project work and who are um, either here temporarily or looking to put down roots. You know. I'd imagine it'll be a parade directly from the building site to the local pub that serves Guinness there. On the I can imagine, else. I can imagine, and maybe well deserved as well in those temperatures. Indeed. Um, now, as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong here, you're the man sitting on all the details. We're gathering here in Stockholm at Kungsteg Order at one o'clock on Saturday afternoon, the 18th of March. What can people expect to see there, Finbar, at that time? Will there be performances before the parade, after the parade, both? What, what will they expect on the day? 
Yeah. So look at officially we're kicking off at 12. Uh, now the okay. real action, you're right, kind of starts closer to one. But 12, we've got um, staff in Berlin and and uh, some of the Irish groups. And we've got music playing from 12, whether recorded or by bands. Um, St. Patrick will be coming and making a speech at five past one. And we'll also have Ambassador Gormley um, making a speech as well. And we'll have the chairperson of the Swedish Irish Society. But the parade really is the centrepiece of it. So we'll kick off from Kungster Garden, but the parade is really parade through the main thoroughfares of Stockholm. It's a fantastic route. You'll have Irish flags, parade art, pipe bands, that kind of thing. And you can buy merchandise as well in Kungster Garden. So if you don't have something green at home, don't worry, you can buy a hat or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and like home, you know, it's it's there's lots of funny stuff. There'll be people watching from the side of the street and waving. It's a good atmosphere. And you'll have things like wolfhounds. You'll have bits and pieces that will be appealing to kids. And all of us will be man- marching with our banners like the chamber, spuds and sill and things. But in Kungster Garden as well, and I'm kind of going back a little bit, if you wish to get involved, if you're new in Sweden or if you've been here a while, but you want to get involved, maybe not even organising it, but just participating, there'll be stalls. So Gael Gori Satulin will have a stall. Spuds and Sill, the amateur drama group, will have a stall. And it's a great way to just reach out, have a chat and go, look, I'm interested, I don't know, or maybe I just want to kind of put my toe in the water and see what it's all about. Go and have a chat to them. It's a great way to make contacts on that day itself. But you're right. I mean, 12 o'clock we kick off. It runs until 4.30. We begin in Kungster Garden where we've got the big stage with the musicians, with the dancers. We parade around Stockholm and we come back to Kungster Garden and you'll have food. You'll have Verstam's Pub who've done a fantastic job for us in terms of they'll be, they'll be running the bar and there's going to be three food and drink options as well. So you won't go hungry. And um, there be the pipe band playing afterwards and there'll be other Irish musicians and actually a Swedish musician as well uh, Maya Christina who'll be playing later on as well so it's a really really good program uh, that's been pulled together and will run until 4.30 when it finishes up so if you haven't made your plan really Saturday the 18th 12 o'clock to 4.30 really about 1 o'clock is, is where the real action starts but come on in and make a day of it and put it in your in your diary now and if you're in um, if you're in Malmo, uh, the event runs from 11.30 to 2.30, and that's in Magistrates Park, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Phil, uh, yeah. in Malmo. Super. It sounds like a, a brilliantly organising. A, a word of advice to anybody listening to this with children, right? Get down there early if you can, because there's no sense of showing up at five to one and going, oh, we'll just get the faces painted now, because there are things called cues, lads. The Swedes are very good at them. Us Irish, less so, right? So get down there in good time. Grab a hot dog. Grab something from the food stands for the kids. Get the faces painted. Get your bit of green on, and we'll be wandering off. Finbar, finally, could I ask you um, about your own sort of vision for this? You mentioned already the planning for 2020 and that could I ask you where you personally see yourself in the next few years will you still be in Sweden and where do you think the Swedish Irish community is going to be in the time that you spend here yeah well I mean the Swedish Irish community is growing you know and it's growing significantly and we've heard kind of Ambassador Gormley talking about that in terms of more trade and stuff and I think just even since I've moved to Sweden the the recognition in Ireland actually yeah you know you can work abroad and you can take a couple of years and use your freedom of movement and come and experience a different country that's not English speaking so from that point of view I think um, 
we're looking, we've got very, very good foundations built and we're really looking to accelerate the integration of people who've newly arrived or um, who are just looking to get involved and to network them and, and draw people together. Um, so next year, I mean, we have a program of events planned already. One of the things we try to do is we try to space them out. So broadly speaking, we do one a month and we try to have something for family and something for older people. So we'll have like a book club, a book club breakfast. We're watching Ireland and the Six Nations in Verstums. We did things like the screening of the Banshees in uh, of Inishir in, in the, yeah. the recent Oscar film. Um, we'll have things like on Colin Kuhn coming up and we've got other things like um, Halloween festivities and annual Christmas dinners. So there's an awful lot. There's a big program. So kind of get involved in terms of where I'm going to be. Phil, who knows? We'll have to see. But I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. I've come here to kind of commit to it. Um, and so far, so good is kind of what I'd say. It sounds like you're going to end up making the same mistake I do, where my wife said to me, let's try living in Sweden for a year or two. And this is my 24th summer coming up here. So uh, I look forward to seeing you in 24 years time here as well. So get in early. You're right. You're, you're spot on. Get in early on the day and get your face painted and we'll... Uh, it's a fantastic occasion, Phil. And look, we're delighted that you've kind of invited us on to, to give it a plug. And and also, just if I may, kind of a plug just to our sponsors. We would not do it without them. You know, Tourism Ireland, Enterprise Support Programme, uh, Shure Engineering, Colin, Kirkby Engineering, or Kirby, Guinness, Silverback and Verstam. So they're, they're superstars and we wouldn't have anything without them. So... Uh, well, I think as a community, we're hugely that. dependent on, on those people with the financial muscle and the organizational muscle to really help out. And for those like yourself who turned up for the first time last year, if you're turned up for the first time, you will just be blown away by the professionalism of everything. And that is almost solely down to the sponsors because they give us the resources as a community to do something great for our community. And Finbar, I can't wait to see you there. But for now, take care, my friend. And I'll see you in good Take it easy, Phil. Thank you so much. There you go. That was Finn Bargini there in Stockholm telling me about the Swedish-Irish Society's plans for the parade here in Stockholm and a little bit about the one down in Malmo. And I have a message here from the legend that is Peter Miller. You would have heard him on the podcast celebrating Fagan's 20, 25th anniversary the other day. And he was saying to me, uh, Hi Phil, just listened to your conversation with Anton and thought I should let you know our plans for St. Patrick's Day down here. 11.30, we are meeting at Magistratsparken for coffee and drinks. We'll have Fagan's painting and balloons and stuff for kids and then we will start a parade from the fountain in Triangle at half past one. So they're starting there at half past eleven in the morning there at uh, Maggie Slots Parking for coffees and drinks and then heading off from the fountain in Triangle at half past one there. So uh, that was from the legend that is Peter Miller and no doubt there will be so going, you'll be going somewhere uh, after that for a few pints and maybe a game of rugby against England or whatever the day has to offer us. Actually uh, on the subject of rugby in England there's a great podcast coming out next Saturday morning made by no less than me good self uh, with an Irish kicker who uh, played rugby and also went over to the States keep an ear out for that now in the Global Gale if you're not a regular listener to the Global Gale it's a fascinating story and your man is after setting up a business now doing his few bits and pieces as well right um it was a ple- an absolute pleasure. The other day, I went down below to... I flew to Copenhagen, actually, on Thursday morning. And I went and I talked to Emer at Tourism Ireland. That episode was going to be out very soon, indeed. And then I went across the bridge over to Malmo. I was hoping to meet some of the teachers from... Uh, the Irish teachers who were living down there. But there was a bit of a communications breakdown there. And we didn't quite get that together. But we will get it together in the future. But you always have... There's more than one street to your bow here, lads. So I was always planning to go down there. Because Quilty, I knew, were going to be rehearsing down there. So... 
after yet another interview with another Canadian person that'll be coming out in a, in a little while, uh, myself and my good friend uh, Yasmin Noor, who's from Lund, that she has me out with podcasting and social media and some stuff like that. We jumped in a taxi and we went to hear Quilty rehearsing with Andy Irvine. Right now, before we get into it, uh, before we get into the piece of music that I'm going to play you and a chat with Andy and the lads from the band, right? Um. Going down to Malmo and putting the time into these things all costs a few bob lads. So if you can contribute, patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm is the way to go, right? The more people in the community who do that, the easier it's going to be for me to be able to get around. I've had two trips to Malmo now in recent weeks and it's great. I think you'll all agree that the podcasts are much better when I'm sitting across the table from somebody rather than doing them over Zoom and it's great to be able to get out and meet the community, right? And the other thing is, if you're in business in this country, right, what's what's essentially a small amount of money to you uh, if you're building a data centre somewhere in Lulio is actually could be life changing for this podcast and for this community right I know that there are companies who are very involved in the GAA and sponsor that kind of thing if you have a few quid over in the marketing budget if you want to come on and talk about your work you can do that as well uh, if not if you can find something I can do for you in the way of communications that would help as well right because all the money goes into the one pot and basically means that I can spend the time and the resources doing the things that I be, want to be able to do for this community so it, on a personal level arrowmalance.com uh, patreon.com forward slash man in Stockholm or if there's a business out there that wants to sponsor the podcast like Martin does at Veerstrom's like James Linus has really kindly done uh, through his charcoal brand and that kind of thing please do get in touch because as I say I want to be out there don't be just sitting here you know fielding Zoom calls left right and centre I want to be out there talking to you where you are in the community and seeing what you're up to right uh, as I said, we went, myself and Yasmin, we jumped in a taxi and we went up and uh, we eventually got in the door. Poor old dad couldn't find out how to let us in the door. But we got in to hear Quilty and Andy Irvine rehearsing and it was just unbelievable, lads. And you're going to hear why now, right? I recorded, just let me dictaphone, I recorded them singing a song written way back in, I think, the early 1980s by Andy Irvine about Raoul Vallenberg, a famous uh, Swedish man who sort of disappeared who saved many many jews in hungary and, and places in central europe during the war and then disappeared because he was picked up uh, by the russians when they were sort of liberating in inverted commas that part of europe and his story wasn't believed and he basically disappeared from sight and nobody really knows what happened to him after that so i got to to mooch in there if you like and to record that and then i had a chat with andy and the lads from the band about the upcoming tour again quiltymusic.com they're going to be doing i think over the next couple of weeks they're going to be doing a lot of shows around sweden they're up in Yavla now in st Patrick's Day as well. Um go down, watch them, then go and have your few points, right? This is this is music to be listened to, lads, right? It's not the kind of thing where you go to an Irish bar and you know stamp a go shanty or up on stage wrecking the gaff, right? It's brilliant, brilliant, intricate, melodic music played by tremendous musicians altogether. And it was a fucking privilege, I have to say, to be there and to listen to them rehearsing and to see them putting this thing together just in the very early throws of it. I was they'd only be rehearsing for about four hours when I arrived down, and it sounds amazing. So here we go. This is Raoul Vallenberg by Andy Irvine and Quilty followed by a conversation with Andy and uh, a little bit from Dog Vesting as well explain about the tour and where you can see them and what you can expect in no doubt till the car pulls up and the man steps out. Raoul, 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 
Just want to sing your name, Rob. 
not your first time in Sweden, surely, after such a long career in music, is it? No, it isn't. Um, I did a tour, uh, oh God, it's very hard to remember how many years ago, what with COVID and all that, for but them, I think it was them. 2018, I think. And it was mainly in Norway, but there were, there were uh, um, a number of gigs also in Sweden. Um, and before that, you'd have to go back a long way to playing with Patrick Street at the... Uh, the festival, uh, the Falun Festival. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was a few years ago. That's a long, long time ago, yeah. 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 Um, how does it feel to be back here again? What's it like to play in Scandinavia for you? I love it. I love it. I've, al- I've, always, uh, I've always wanted to, to play more in, in Norway and Sweden. And uh, in the last few years, I've, I've been getting that wish. So I'm really looking forward to this, this tour. With it. These guys are fantastic. Uh, they're sitting there and I'm don't know whether to kind of swell their heads or not. But, uh, I do a little bit, that's all. Yeah, they're, they're really, I mean, first of all, the amount of work they've done on the songs that I'm singing with them is, is, is brilliant. And secondly, their musicianship is, is uh, outstanding, absolutely outstanding. I've, I've, I've rarely enjoyed a rehearsal in my whole life, but I enjoyed this one. Yeah. Does that, do you find that unusual that people would have taken your music and Irish music in general to heart the way that these gentlemen have? It, it, it's not usual. I mean, it, it, it was back in the um, what back in the seventies. There was a lot of it going around. Uh, people singing in kind of Irish German accents and mixed up words, you know, and uh, uh, very very funny sometimes. You'd be <laughs> listening to them and laughing your head off because they got the words slightly wrong. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And f- for your own part, because obviously this is a life that you've lived for a very long time. You've been at the forefront of a lot of this. But I remember when you recorded the East Wind album and you went and collected music in the Balkans and that kind of thing. Do you have any relationship to, to Swedish folk music as such? Have you heard anything in, in Sweden and Norway that's ever piqued your interest at all? Oh, yeah. I, lo- I, lo- I love uh, Norwegian and Swedish music. I love it. Uh, I, I, I can't really play it. Yeah. Or have I actually have I actually tried? You know, one one mazurka is all is as far as I can go. Is there a big difference between that? Because one of the things that struck me listening to folk music and to, to Irish music all my life is that you know you tend to find those influences that are slightly intertwined. That there's a commonality there, maybe echoes of it. Is that something you find? And is there anything specific you've noticed about it? No, I just I know that I would recognise uh, traditional music in well, not in every country, like. Uh, in, in the Far East, I wouldn't sometimes be able to tell what was, like in Indian music, yeah. and be able to tell what was kind of traditional and what was classical, etc. But generally, in, in Europe, certainly, uh, yeah, uh, um, you'd recognize it anywhere. I mean, the, the first time I, l- I heard Bulgarian music, I was in a, a truck, and the driver was trying to have a conversation with me, and I, our languages did not uh, allow that. So he turned on the radio, and there was uh, instantly traditional music, which I recognised immediately, even though I couldn't tell where the beat was, but uh, but I knew what it was. Yeah, and it's the same. Yeah, it's the same with all traditional music in Europe. Yeah, thirty years uh, on the road now, and a whole bunch of dates ahead of them. Uh, what, what did you think when they first contacted you and suggested maybe that you might come over here and tour with them to celebrate that milestone? Well, it's a long time ago. We planned this. How, uh, Doug, how long ago is it we planned this? I took, uh, we took contact with you, uh, that was 2019, wasn't it? Yes. And then 
in the beginning of 2020, the pandemic came and then we, the, the band didn't meet at all during one and a half years. So we were actually planning the tour and we have had contact, but then uh, we had a, a quite a break, a long time of break with no contact at all. And then we suddenly took up the whole thing and and put it into motion. Right? And uh, well, that, uh, here we are now. <laughs> I find it interesting, Andy, that you had sort of almost four years to pull out and yet you didn't do it, you know? So what was it that brought you over here? Was it something you wanted to experience here? Um, well, I, I, I loved their, their first album. Um, it was like something which was going to happen in the future always mm. until uh, three days ago when it actually, uh, I thought, Jesus Christ, it's starting <laughs> oh, now. Oh no, I have to go and do this now. <laughs> <laughs> and how much preparation do you have to do? Because if we, a musician of your stature, right, these lads are going to have to learn the songs that you like to sing, the things that you like to do, and of course you're going to have to play a few of their more famous tunes as well. How much preparation goes into that, and how much is just the fact that you've been doing this all your life and you could probably do it at the drop of a very small hat? No, I, I have to practice all the time, and uh, I'm not getting any, any faster... In, in my brain, in yeah, yeah, but um, but the, uh, yeah, as I say, we haven't yet got onto their songs, um, and uh, I'm sure I don't think I will be quite as well prepared as they have been for mine. But uh, that remains to be seen. And I so some of this will go down to experience, I'm sure, of being in the odd session in the past. Yeah, but the, the music is very. It, it's not. None of this music can be busked. You know, it's not kind of uh, session music. You couldn't just sit in and, and uh, strum away, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's architecture, you know, and, and uh, it has to be learned. And um, and this is the first day of rehearsal, and it's been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, we started off with with uh, the plains of Kildare, which is anything but easy and we had it we had it sounding really good after one take we played it once and it was like kind of like i thought wow these guys are really on the ball i'm very much looking forward to the gigs now when you're telling me things like that uh, just before we sat down to talk there you were playing a song about raul wallenberg can you tell me a little bit about the genesis of that song well i think i wrote it in the in the late 80s and at that time, um, the, the very first thing I, I learned about Raoul Wallenberg, in a newspaper there was a heading that said, where is Raoul Wallenberg? And I thought, and, and, and I then read the little bit about how he'd saved all these uh, Jewish people in the Second World War in, in Budapest. And um, so I, I, I got books on the subject and... and, and and the books of, of that time always said that uh, people who'd been released from the gulag system in the Soviet Union often spoke about this aging um, foreign person who spoke a language they didn't understand uh, and, and uh, who was usually held in solitary confinement all over the, the gulag system. And I thought, that, that's, so that's so horrifying. Uh, uh, and this man has, has been so so wronged after uh, what he did that I, I wrote a song about it. Of course, the trouble was when the, when the Soviet Union uh, collapsed uh, and became Russia, it became nearly a new, a different country, and nobody quite remembers. And nobody quite remembers what happened to Raoul Wallenberg. 
ex-KGB men say that he was actually he was shot in 1947 or, or whatever. Uh, so I was a little bit nervous about singing this song, which, which um, could be construed to be not quite true. But then I, I, I read, uh, I, I, re I looked it up on, on the internet, in fact, and I read a thing, and, and I realized that these people saying that he was shot in 1947, they didn't, they never said anything more. They don't know where he's buried. They don't know anything about it. And it may, and in fact, the, the song, as I wrote it, may be true. The Wallenberg Committee that was uh, Raoul's um, uh, family, uh, they, they considered up until about mm, nearly, I'd say 1997, I played a gig for them. And I think at that time, they considered that Raoul was still alive. What's it like now to be in Sweden? What are you expecting from this tour, from the audiences you're going to meet? You're going to be playing on St. Patrick's Day, a couple of hours north of Stockholm. Do you have any expectations at this stage? Or are you just happy to get out there on stage and, and to see what happens? Well, the way it's been going on the first day of rehearsal, I'm expecting it to be really, really good. And, uh, and that's, you know, if it's really, really good and the audience doesn't appreciate that, well... They, they don't deserve the name audience. <laughs> they have their fingers in their ears in that case. <laughs> yes. No, I, I, I think it'll be a big success. And, um, of course, I'm, I, I, the lads are, are very well known. And uh, I, I've never been to one of their gigs, so I, I'm, sure that I'm sure they pull the house down anyway. But uh, I, think it'll be, I think it'll be great. I, no, I'm, looking for, I'm looking forward to it uh, uh, as me, you know. If the audience doesn't like it, uh, and we all love it, then uh, no, that won't happen. But uh, not at all. No, it'll be it'll be good. It'll be good. We can't wait to see you. And people can get their tickets. They can go to is it quiltymusic.com is where look at or is it quiltymusic.se dot com quiltymusic.com I wouldn't say there's too many tickets left to see Andy Irvine with Quilty on the 30th anniversary tour no less and we'll be pushing it all week on the podcast Andy welcome to Sweden and we're looking forward to the thank shows you, thank you very much indeed there you go that was Andy Irvine there and Dog Wrestling and the boys from Quilty and they're sounding only magnificent so um, that's what's going on there quiltymusic.com go in there get your tickets find out when they're playing do not miss this one because it's going to be absolutely brilliant and if you look into Andy's story at all like you know he was a, a child actor and that worked for the BBC and what have you and um then he, he made the move into music and that kind of thing and what's most interesting about him and you would have heard it in the conversation there is when he talked about uh, travelling in Bulgaria and that kind of thing he's never been the kind of guy who only does sort of traditional Irish music the very very traditional Irish music he's always been on a search for other kinds of folk music and he and Donal Lunny and a couple of other musicians really reinvented the way Irish music considered, considers itself when they played with with Planksty and before that maybe with uh, Sweeney's men Terry Woods who used to play with Sweeney's men and the Pogues and that kind of thing these were musicians who adapted instruments like the Greek bazooki and the mandolin and really made them a part of the modern interpretation of traditional Irish music. And it's just something that, you know, I remember going back to the late 70s, the early 80s, when I heard this music for the first time, and it just, it stuck a claw in me soul, lads. It's just amazing how melodic and how beautiful and how brilliant it is, and the kind of things that it can evoke. And if you have a chance, go and listen to, uh, there's a song by Planksty, which... Um, 
uh, Andy would have played on together with Christy Moore, Donald Lunny and Liam O'Flynn uh, and it's called Little Musgrave and if you listen to that live you'll find it on YouTube Planksteve Little Musgrave live from a live album made by Planksteve when they reformed in the early 2000s there and the instrumentation is just immense and that kind of thing because that's the other thing is that Patrick's Day and that kind of thing of course we like to get out and points us out and a bit of crack and that kind of thing but for me the music has always been there all day I'd be listening to everything all day from Rory Gallagher to Planksteve to Christy to Andy Irvine Paul Brady another man that uh, Andy would have played with you know so get out there celebrate those things share them with your friends there is an Irish and Sweden St. Patrick's Day uh, playlist as well on Spotify which I'll try to throw in in the social media comments or in the show notes and you can have a listen to that and maybe add a couple of your own tunes or whatever to it and uh, and see what you're up to you know enjoy as ourselves the next podcast won't be out until after St. Patrick's Day unless something major happens in the meantime I'm looking forward to the various different events that are going to be happening over the next week with the uh, Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden they'll be having a get together on St. Patrick's Day itself. I think they're getting together for lunch there. Uh, have a chat with Martin and Veerstrums if you're going to be around Stockholm and you want to book a table that. He may give you the old, bomb- what, what do they call it? The bombastic side eye, lads. You might get that off now because you might be mad at your mind trying to book a, a table for St. Patrick's Day or indeed for that weekend. But you have a chat with him and tell him I sent you and he might do you the favour. And if nothing else, we will be back again next week with another episode of the Irish and Sweden podcast. Um, I'll be hopefully in at the parade. Uh, I will hopefully have a dictaphone with me and I'll hopefully be able to cr- collect some voices. So if you happen to be there, uh, we did that last year. Now, last year I was St. Patrick's, so I had a bit too much responsibility to be able to do a proper job. And this year I haven't been able to take on that role because there is a little bit of a risk that I may not make the parade at all. But if I'm there, I'm certainly going to try to record as much as possible. So do come and say hello if you see my big beardy face wandering around the crowd and that and have a chat and give us your St. Patrick's Day greetings, especially if you're travelling from out of town, right? If you're coming from shopping or Vesteros or from Urubro or anywhere else like that and you're coming down for the day or indeed if you're coming from further afield and just coming down from Lulio, Yavla, whatever on the Saturday uh, for a bit of crack do get in touch anyway and sure we stick on the L podcast and you can give a shout out to the mammy or whoever else you want to be talking to but for now a little bit of a shorter podcast this week boy Jays we'll make up for it now in the weeks to come alright take care of yourselves take care of one another Go, go, don't, don't go easy the points there but look after yourselves you know what I mean when I'm saying things like that and I'll talk to you again over the weekend and I'll be back again with the Irish and Sweden podcast this time next week good luck
There you go. That was the wonderful Chris O'Neill there. What a terribly nice fellow and a fascinating story altogether. And uh, do check out the handball. I think it's going to be on Viasat or Via Play or one of those channels over the next little while. But uh, if you're working with Swedes at all, you're probably going to bump into some talk about this. And of course, the cross-country skiing season is going on and the biathlon season is going on and all these things are going on. So... Get involved in them. See what your workmates are talking about and check it out. We've had Carl Lambert on the podcast here before talking about doing Vossa Luppets, the big uh, ski race. And I think back in the day there, we had uh, Thomas, um, not necessarily Swedish-Irish, but certainly Norwegian-Irish, who competed at uh, the Olympics in cross-country skiing for Ireland. So interesting to listen to and find something different to do because in one way, we're always talking to the Gaelic Games community about how to get Swedes to play our games and we kind of have to start reciprocating that a little bit. And I often thought, to be honest, uh, and maybe you got the same impression from what Chris was saying there, that handball players would be great Gaelic footballers, boys and girls. So we really need to get down to the handball clubs and get involved there. And so the side looked at them and go, you know what, uh, during the summer here is a bit of ball going on if you fancy it because they don't tend to play during the summer especially the recreational players which is the kind of player I suppose that uh, Chris himself has become at this point you know so um definitely worth taking that idea out there maybe actually if you're above in Yavla or if you're above in Lulio you might do a bit of a swap so you can go to your local handball club and say look at we've a bunch of guys a bunch of girls here working on sites during the day and they'd like a bit of a runabout uh, during the winter and maybe we can you know you can try having a run out with us during the summer and come down and try Gaelic games and that because if we're going to have a future for Gaelic games it means having natives you know local people people who are born and bred here including our own children has to be said it it means having them involved in the sports you know so it might be a sort of an area for growth uh, it might be a, a source of players it might be a source of contact with the local community it might be a source of indoor training facilities which jesus knows we spent ages arguing over and fighting over and talking about uh, before we go, don't forget now that, of course, this being the time of the year that it is, the Six Nations is around the corner, and there is no better place to be watching the Six Nations, boys and girls, than by getting down to Martin Hessian's pub, Veerstrom's pub in Gamlastown here in Stockholm. Uh, there is, of course, Fagan's pub down below, but Martin has been a very generous and very kind sponsor of this podcast from the very beginning, and I'm very grateful to him for that. Book a table, because if you just rock up at the door, you're going to find yourself, you know, sitting in the window there where you can't see the television, or there'll be some big Egypt with a head in front of you, usually my head, it has to be said. Uh, so do try to book a table somewhere and make sure that uh, if you are coming in to watch the rugby the Six Nations games Ireland will be playing five games there make sure to tell them that you want to be there to, to, to watch the rugby right? so that they don't put you in some quiet uh, little corner where great place for a first L Tinder date not that great if you're cheering on the boys in green right? and of course don't forget that the girls in green will be taking part in their own competition so you can also book tables for that uh, in the coming weeks we'll be looking to all those things and you know try to structure things a little bit better this year uh, in terms of letting you know what's coming on well in advance so when the Gaelic football clubs go back training that I'm hoping to be able to bring you all that kind of news of the when and the where and the what they're looking for and how you can get involved and of course we'll talk to the Swedish Irish Society about what they're looking for ahead of their AGM and indeed ahead of St Patrick's Day but of course, at the end of the day, I want to be talking about what you're interested in. So if you want to ping me on Instagram, if you want to ping me on Twitter, if you want to give me a call, if you have me number, find me on Facebook, report me to missing people, have me brought to your house by the police, whatever it is you need to do to get in touch, do it because I'm more than happy to hear from you. Because like I say, community podcast lads, this is all for and about you. And to a lesser extent, me waffling into a microphone every week, but it's all foreign about you. So do let me know if there's something that everybody else needs to know or if there's something that you'd like to 
consistent. You know, if you've written a book, if you've written a poem, if you're doing a gig, start a company, get on to me and do all those things. Right, listen, we're running out of things to say, so we shall leave it there. Back with another episode next week. Uh, as I say, today, there is a stretch of the evenings. Not going to call it grand stretch of the evenings yet, lads, because that's not where we're at. But uh, we'll get through this winter as we've gotten through every winter to date. Uh, in the meantime, look after yourselves, look after one another, and I will be back to you next week with an up- another episode of the Irish in Sweden podcast. Good luck, everyone. <laughs>